Hello and welcome to the June 2022 edition of Aeon's Retirement Market Update podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Ricky Marsh, and because I like leaving things till the last minute, I'm recording this just before the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. This podcast will be celebrating its own milestone next month when we hit the big 4-0, although rumours of another bank holiday to mark that occasion are very much unconfirmed. John Foster and Linda Whitney will be joining me later to discuss the impact of high inflation on pension scheme members, but first, here's this month's news. The pensions regulators launched a consultation on its enforcement and prosecution policies. Both of these have been updated to include TPR's new powers under the Pension Schemes Act 2021 and to reflect its experience from using its existing enforcement powers. The new enforcement policy consolidates previous policies for DB, hybrid, public sector and DC schemes and it sets out TPR's approach to the investigation of cases and any subsequent enforcement action. The prosecution policy explains how TPR will approach the prosecution of workplace pension criminal offences to help those who are either facing or affected by enforcement action to understand TPR's approach. This consultation runs until the 24th of June. TPR's existing enforcement policies for auto-enrolment, master trust authorisation and upcoming CDC schemes aren't included in this consultation, but there is a bit more news on one of these. So TPR's announced that it will be restarting its spot checks on employers who are suspected of failing to meet their auto-enrolment duties. Most of the employers targeted will be those who failed to make the right pension contributions for their staff. This marks a return to the larger scale in-person inspections following the lifting of the COVID-19 restrictions. On-site inspections will be carried out across a number of regions and cities in the coming months, including Greater Manchester, Nottingham, Greater London and Belfast. The Pensions Dashboard Programme has issued its fifth progress update report, which summarises progress made since October 2021. This update states that the DWP will respond to its consultation on draft dashboard regulations in the summer and then lay the regulations as soon as possible after this. It also notes that this summer there will be another consultation on technical reporting and design standards for dashboards. This month's also seen some strong comments from TPR on dashboards, Both David Fairs and Charles Council have warned that TPR will be taking a firm line on schemes that aren't ready to meet their staging deadlines, although they have recognised that there may be a need for pragmatism in some cases, for example where a scheme's moving to a new administrator. I think there are still legitimate questions around how much progress schemes can make on dashboards without knowing what the regulations will actually say, but Mr Fairs has indicated that TPR will soon be writing to schemes in the first wave, setting out exactly what they need to do in order to be ready. The Pensions Administration Standards Association, or PASA for short, has put out a couple of new guidance notes this month. So the first one covers good practice guidance on DB transfers. This sets out principles and suggested simplified approaches for faster, safer and more efficient transfers which comply with the regulations. The proposed processes aren't intended to be prescriptive, but PASA expects the principles of the guidance to be followed at all times. In 2019, PASA issued guidance on standard transfers, which was intended to be the first of a two-part release with the second part covering non-standard cases. However, rather than issuing that second part, PASA have basically just decided to cover all DB transfers in this new guidance. The second piece of guidance is a cybercrime protection checklist. This builds on the guidance that PASA issued in November 2020, and it provides examples of steps administrators can take to assess their defences against cybercrime in four areas, which are meeting legal and regulatory standards, 
understanding your organization's vulnerability to cybercrime, ensuring your organization is resilient to cybercrime, and remaining able to fulfill key functions. The High Court has ruled that the trustees of two charitable trusts can implement an investment strategy that aligns with the goals of the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, even though this could cause a financial detriment in the short term. The strategy was approved on the basis that the trustees had followed a proper decision-making process, considering the balance between the trust's ESG objectives and the potential short-term financial impact. This ruling could also be relevant in a pensions context, as it's likely that the trustees of a number of DB schemes are probably wrestling with similar issues in relation to their own investment strategies. Right, we've talked about the new stronger nudge requirements before, but I thought it was just worth highlighting that these came into force on the 1st of June. Just to remind you what this is all about, where a member with DC benefits applies to transfer their pension rights or start receiving benefits, the trustees will be required to refer them to PensionWise, explain the nature and purpose of the guidance, and facilitate the booking of a PensionWise appointment. Before the member actually goes ahead, the trustees will then have to check that they've received guidance or made an active choice to opt out of receiving guidance. And finally, just a quick reminder that Aon's 2022 Pension Conference Series is running throughout June. We're kicking things off in Leeds on the 7th of June, followed by London on the 9th, Birmingham on the 14th and Bristol on the 16th before finishing up in Edinburgh on the 21st of June. The London and Bristol events will also be live streamed for anyone who's unable to attend in person. Depending on when you're listening to this, there may still be time to register, so I'll include a link in the show notes. And if you'd like more information on this or any of this month's other news stories, I'll include contact details at the end. Last month, I spoke to Tapan Data about the unusual current market conditions we're seeing at the moment and how we might expect things to develop in the future. Now, at that time, we were talking about inflation being at a 30-year high, but it's now gone even higher with the April CPI increase hitting 9% and RPI being just over 11%. We haven't seen those kind of levels for 40 years. So we're going to stick with inflation this month, but we're moving our focus away from the investment and market aspects to look in more detail at how this affects pension scheme members. To help with this, I'm joined by returning guests, John Foster and Linda Whitney. So I want to start by looking at DC. So John, that's your area of expertise. Uh, What impact does high inflation have on DC members at different stages of their savings journey? Thanks, Ricky. Yeah, if we start at the uh, the sharp end, i.e. when members are making decisions about how they would like to take their DC benefits, the effects of inflation at different levels could be very significant. If we take an example of the effect of inflation over time, see how long it takes for the, the buying power of a fixed level of retirement income to halve. If we have inflation at 2.5% a year, the buying power of the pension will halve in 28 years. With inflation at 5%, it will halve in 14 years. And at 7.5%, it would halve in just nine years. So you can see what a significant impact that has as, as inflation creeps up. If we think about the majority of members who buy an annuity with their DC pot, albeit now a minority of overall DC members, they, they tend to buy a level of annuity. That's one that gives them the highest initial income. So when they compare it to an escalating annuity, it looks appealing. They're effectively taking a bet on future inflation, which could, as we have heard, severely dent the buying power of their income over what could be quite a short period. If we think about how most people are taking their benefits, however, those who have pots of a size that are above that, which would typically be cashed in full, are now going into some sort of drawdown where the level of income drawn is flexible. 
The challenge for these members is that if their invested funds do not keep pace with the increasing levels of inflation, they will either see their funds diminishing at a faster rate than expected, which could see them running out of money much sooner than expected, or have to adjust their expectations on what lower standard of living they can afford to fund. Uh, we've looked at the effect of a spike to inflation levels that is 5% higher than the general level of inflation on the sample members we use for the Aon UK DC pension tracker, which I believe you've talked about on the podcast before. For our 50-year-old sample member, who's already accumulated a DC pot of approximately half a million pounds, the shortfall at retirement age is expected to be in the order of £18,000. In order to maintain that individual's living standard in retirement, they'd need to contribute approximately an additional 2% of salary each year until they retire. Okay, so that's dealt with the, the sort of sharp end, but what about younger members? For those at an earlier um, stage of their savings journey, the level of contribution as a percentage of earnings, with those earnings increasing at least in line with inflation, should enable them to keep pace on the inputs to their pension plans. As many are paying auto-enrolment minimum contributions, however, this presupposes that the qualifying earnings used for the calculation of contributions also changes in line with inflation. Any disconnect there could mean that the, the real level of savings could be diminishing over time, which will clearly leave them worse off at retirement. Increasing contributions in this way may not be affordable, of course, in which case the alternatives will be to retire later or accept a lower standard of living in retirement than had been expected. The situation only becomes harder the closer members get to their retirement age. And where does state pensions fit into all this? Well, the good news is that, at least for the time being, state pension increases each year by the greater of 2.5% earnings inflation and price inflation. So the impact of cost of living increases is less pronounced. Um, It should be noted that the, um, the fact that it is the basics of heating and eating that are being hardest hit by price hikes at the moment, which may well mean that even this level of protection is not sufficient to stave off the effects of inflation that's skewed towards these basics rather than, say, things like restaurant and hotel prices, which are discretionary spend. Thanks, John. So, Linda, if we turn to DB members, how are they impacted by high inflation? Well, I guess many DB members might believe that their pension goes up with inflation. And they might think that the only question there is, is whether it's RPI or CPI. But in reality, many, in fact, most will face caps. There'll be some with those elements accrued prior to 1997 with no increases. And so the halving rate John described earlier will also apply to them. And many, many more who'll have increases capped at 5% a year. Now, we last saw a very brief blip when inflation went over 5% in 2011, but it didn't really impact the public consciousness at that time. It's many years since we saw inflation regularly at this level in the 90s. And this time, as John said, the causes of inflation, such as the cost of food and energy, really will hit poorer pensioners particularly hard. And so that gap between inflation and the cap on their pension increases might be material. Now, I just want to move on to look at how schemes can help their members to deal with the impact of high inflation. John, shall we start with DC again on that? Yeah, it's important that the investment strategy um, provides members with opportunities to achieve long-term inflation plus growth. Um, At Aon, we align our advice and the work we do within our own master trust and GPP propositions on targeting sufficient real growth to help members sustain a reasonable standard of living in retirement. The context of risk 
over the long term is members not taking enough investment risk and ending up with a shortfall in retirement income relative to their needs or expectations. The higher the rate of inflation, the more challenging it is for schemes to achieve that real growth. Plans that de-risk too soon are also playing with fire in respect of inflation. We're also seeing in some cases high values being held in cash funds, which clearly destroys value really quickly. In many cases, returning negative absolute returns net of charges. In an environment where interest rates are rising, we may see some more funds returning to positive territory, but this will still fall way below inflation at current levels and even longer term target levels. As with so many aspects of DC, there is only so much that can be achieved with smart design. And the key lies in keeping members informed and prompting them at appropriate points in time to review and when necessary, take action to ensure that their long-term needs are adequately provided for. And Linda, what actions would you say DB scheme should be taking? Well, I think it's thinking about those pensions over any caps that they've got. Um, First of all, schemes need to be clear from a governance perspective on where that decision lies. Is that discretionary increase power with the trustees, the sponsor, or a combination of the two? And even if either party does have that unilateral power, I think that seeking a consensus will actually often lead to a better overall outcome. Then secondly, you need to take into account, well, as the lawyers might put it, all relevant factors. And the impact on the members um, that we've just been talking about is only one factor. You definitely also need to consider wider areas. So you need to think about the fact that this is a benefit improvement. And it might be really hard for employers to stomach that after so many years of paying deficit contributions. Sponsors might be thinking about fairness in other contexts. So what salary increases can they afford to pay to ongoing staff before they start thinking about discretionary pension increases? Schemes are now typically trying to head for long-term targets and most are still significantly short of reaching them. So any benefit improvements for discretionary increases could increase the time it takes to reach those targets, thus reducing security for members. And also remember, these DB members are often already better, much better off than the DC members who follow on from them. So if there is any extra money, well, where do you think it should be spent? Then once you've actually made that tricky decision around discretionary DB pension increases, you also need to reflect on whether your investment strategy is hedging what you think it is, whether you've allowed for discretionary increases or not. And what do you think about offering pension increase exchange in the current environment? Yes, as a gut feel, it might seem like an odd time to think about giving up future pension increases just when we're seeing high inflation. But actually giving up those future pension increases for a higher fixed pension now, which is effectively what the pension increase exchange does, um, well, within these exercises, in the assumptions, they will bank in that expected short-term higher inflation. So if a pensioner is offered a pension increase exchange, um, it's worth giving it some thought because the terms could still be good value for money. And actually, some pensioners might welcome it. If they're struggling right now, it could be a welcome relief to actually bring forward 
some of their pension from later years to earlier ones. And are there any other kind of unusual side effects to look out for in this? Well, on the DB side, there is an anomaly that might make it financially beneficial for a member to stay deferred rather than to become a pensioner if the scheme is not going to pay discretionary pension increases. And this is because in deferment, the statutory cap is over the whole period of deferment. So years under the cap can offset against years over the cap. So for many deferred members, they're actually unlikely to see the cap biting in 2023. Whereas for most pensioners, the caps are year on year, and so they will bite. Now, I know people's decision on when to retire can't necessarily be managed like this, but there is a question about whether trustees should communicate about this anomaly. And if you want to read a little bit further on this anomaly, um, my colleague Paul McGlone did a really good LinkedIn post on this one, um, if you want to learn more. Okay, so if we just want to wrap things up um, with a one or two sentence summary, John, what would you say are the key points to draw out for DC schemes? It's fair to say that with DC, inflation is not your friend. As with all things DC, the buck stops with the member. But those designing and sponsoring DC arrangements can do some some of the heavy lifting. Um, They can do this by making sure that there's flexibility around contribution levels and retirement age, and also that the investment strategy that most members will be in is invested in assets that stand a good chance of offsetting, and more, the effects of inflation. Engaging with members about their choices as they approach retirement, perhaps providing them with access to an IFA, will give members a chance to avoid the pitfalls of investing in high-cost retail products and potentially low-risk, low-growth funds into retirement when the effects of inflation, with no contributions coming in, can be even more damaging. And Linda, same thing for DB? Well, I think for DB, it's about looking at your complete long-term funding plan and understanding how guaranteed versus discretionary pension increases will fit within that. Um, I also think you need to be ready to explain to members how each party's reached its decision. And you probably need to be ready by the 19th of October when the September inflation figures are released. Okay, well, thanks to both of you for taking the time to talk to us today. And hopefully the, the numbers won't jump up too much between now and that crucial September date that you mentioned, Linda. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, that's all for this month. So thanks for listening. And thanks again to my guests, Linda Whitney and John Foster. I'm off to make the most of the four day weekend, but I'll be back for our 40th episode next month. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget you can subscribe to the series through all the usual places, including the Apple Podcasts app and Spotify. If you'd like more information on our retirement solutions, or you want to feature in a future podcast, you can contact me on ricky.marsh at aon.com. Otherwise, please visit our website or email talktous at aon.com.